0: And we're good. we're live so um welcome everyone i'm so excited and pumped to have two legends of the sales world on with us today scott lease and richard harris um, welcome to the show you guys I, I feel like you both don't really need an introduction because most people listening probably already know who you are but um for the sake of those who might not know who you are could you give us a, a quick little blurb about who you are and where you guys have
1: been thanks for having us on first of all travis and kevin um, this is Scott speaking, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, I'm Scott Leese. I run my own sales consulting business and uh, co-founder of Surf and Sales with Richard Harris. And uh, I've been building and scaling sales organizations for the better part of the last 20 years or so. First half of my time was in San Francisco Bay Area and the last nine years uh, or so has been in Austin, Texas.
2: Uh, I'm Richard Harris, Um, if you didn't know. uh, Thank you for the nice introduction, Travis. Um, Been doing uh, sales training for the last eight or nine years now and was telling Scott for years that he should be doing this. So I'm glad he finally did it about eight or nine months ago uh, in October of 2019. Um, Of course, now I get angry and jealous whenever I see him do something better than me, uh, which is... (laughs) (laughs) like, wait a minute, I've been doing this eight years and Scott just got that. But um, that's why we're good friends, I think, too, as we drive each other uh, to be better. We are, while also driving each other crazy. Um, so I think we consider ourselves lucky to be good friends as well as business partners. I also want people to know that i um, super excited because this will be dropping on the surf and sales podcast at some point. But Travis is the guy who's behind our scenes for us and he's uploading videos, getting the content into all the systems. And so uh, we couldn't do the 60 plus episodes we've done in 90 days without Travis's help. So Travis, we appreciate the time that, that you've dedicated to us. So we're, we're more than happy to be here. This is at your request. So we're, we're happy to be here. Uh, and Kevin, nice to meet you. I'm excited to, to learn about you and answer your questions too.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah, not amazing. Yeah, now, Kevin, I, man, I, I feel like with the amount of knowledge and experience we have in this like collective Zoom room right now, we can go in so many different directions. Um, Dude, I could cross
2: the street with this much knowledge. <laughs> Let's be honest. Come on now. I'm not getting anywhere free. <laughs> We're opening the doors during a coronavirus because the four of us are on a Zoom call. Oh,
0: man. Always got jokes. That's one thing I can always look forward to. Richard always got jokes. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm always looking um, for a lighter.
0: I love it. Kev, you want to kick us off? I know you had a couple of questions that we were chatting about before.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, obviously, you guys teamed up on, on Surf and Sales, the, the actual you know, remote conference, and then obviously turned into a podcast. Um, I'm actually really curious cause I don't know, you know, how did you guys actually team up on that? Like where, where did that start? Where did you guys meet? All that kind of good stuff.
1: Well, um, you want me to tell the story? I end up telling the story all the time, but I am actually curious to hear it from Richard's perspective. So
3: you, I, got, you guys sound I, like an old couple already. Yeah,
1: yeah. We are. We, are, we are definitely <laughs> old. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely.
2: Um, so uh, we met actually in the last economic downturn in 2008. I was a VP of sales for a small tech company, security company. And, um, with everything that happened, I got laid off and, you know, I I, look, I had a hundred thousand dollar base and nice commissions. And, um, I had a baby in 2008 in July of 2008 on our one year anniversary, September we closed on a house. We closed on the day that all the money locked up, like literally where banks stopped giving loans. Um, moved in on Halloween and then I got laid off mid November of that year. And I went through a week or so of, you know, applying for things and being freaked out. And then I I took a big piece of humble pie and I called this guy who used to be my rep. And I'm like, Hey, Tony, do you know anybody who's doing any hiring? And he's like, Oh, you should go talk to my buddy, Scott lease. He's got something going on over in the East Bay out in Pleasanton. Um, So I immediately like LinkedIn with Scott, sent an email. I think I had got your phone number and called you. Like I was like all in on this thing and and had some phone interviews and met Scott and then he you know graciously offered me the job um, and it was for I was being a manager of a team so I was sort of taking two or three steps down my salary base alone was cut in half to fifty um, you know and I think at that point the company didn't even have health insurance but I was so nervous and concerned I was thirty nine and I was so afraid that oh my God, I'm about to be 40. I'm gonna be an old guy in the tech scene. And so um I took the job with Scott, I uh, was able to make it into something. Scott trusted me a lot. Uh, we got to become friends, our wives became friends. Um, then we both have two boys that are all within six months of each other, between twelve and ten at this point. And um, and that's sort of that's how we met and sort of the families became friends, and we've gone on vacation to Costa Rica, which is I'll sort of let Scott take it from there.
1: Yeah, so we we had a you know, non-traditional Thanksgiving vacation with our two families a few years back in Costa Rica. And, um, I was still working full time and I was, was giving Richard shit basically about how he has to travel all across the country and, you know, fly to South Carolina and Bosnia and all these places for these events and, and everything, Serbia, Serbia, whatever, (laughs) you know, one of those places, right. And uh, I sort of said, "How come nobody has a you know sales conference in a in a cool place like this, like right here, you know, in Costa Rica, like some place I actually would want to go?" And um, we both had kind of talked about how we're not huge fans of you know this like five hundred thousand person, hundred thousand person you know conference, um, and how cool it'd be to do something a lot more intimate and, and more experiential, um, and so. You know, we, we kind of, we were out surfing in the water and we came back in and kind of said something to our wives and our wives were like shocked, like, well, that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, and then a- as often happens, like Richard kind of challenged me to, you know, pony up and do let's do this or whatever. And, the, you know, the second half of that equation is I always end up doing it, right? Like I'm the easiest person in the world for him to bait into doing something, so, you know, I off I, off, off we go and like literally by the time we got home like a couple of days later we had decided to do this surfing sales micro conference and like you know roped our buddy jeff coleman in who handles all the you know back end logistical stuff and uh you know plunked down some money and just kind of went for it and uh you know it's been it's been awesome and we were hoping to do at least three or four events this year we, we did sneak one in in february but you know. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. Yep. But once this is all over, we'll, we'll be back and rocking those events. Yeah. Soon. So, Scott, how just out of curiosity,
2: Scott, how was my version of how we met compared to yours?
1: That's It's the same. Longer. Long, you're more long-winded than me. So That's true. It, it was it, it was longer, but it's good. Yeah. The funny back-
2: part is, is that that guy, Tony, had tried to get me to hire Scott a couple of years ahead of time. Um,
1: Richard wouldn't give me an interview.
2: Ad- I wouldn't even give Scott an interview. They wouldn't take the interview. Didn't, we didn't even read. We didn't even remember that part of that story till about till last summer, till almost maybe ten months ago when Tony told us. We like, yeah. oh, that's. <laughs> so. Wow,
0: that's that's crazy. I mean, like one of the things that I'm curious about too is like as you've gone over the years, right? Like this is a like lengthy relationship you guys have been through, right? Like, talk to me a little bit about like teaming up on the the podcast. Um, recently right like you guys both to my knowledge didn't come from a world of content and media creation and yet here you guys are with 50 plus podcast episodes uh, audience of over you know five figures right and uh, doing something that most people look at and I'm like you have to clone yourselves we were talking about this before Scott like how do you guys operate and do so much like you guys are in so many different places you're doing so much at once like how do you do that
1: well um first of all i have been accused of having two speeds one of which is full speed ahead and the other one is dead stop well i'm not good at doing anything kind of in the middle um and, and so I, I'm always like, yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, I can do that. And I just book my my time up constantly. Um, and Richard is much more conscientious of, you know, slowing down and taking care of other things in our lives and whatnot. So there's a bit of a give and take there. Like, I think I kick Richard in the ass and make him do more than he might do on his own. Um, and he's kind of pulling me back. Um, you know, quite often as well, which I think is, is healthy for any, you know, friendship and, and, and relationship, I think, uh, have that, that kind of give and take, you know. Um, but I, man, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a really high motor and a, and a really strong work ethic. And I think, you know, that the things that I went through early in my adulthood with my, my illness and all that, like, I haven't lost that sense of urgency. You know so i'm 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 just always operating on like I gotta do this now because I don't know when I'm gonna have another opportunity uh, and i' and I'm a serious competitor, you know, so I, I look around and you know pay attention to what people are doing and you know i don't I don't think I'm more talented than anybody at all, um, but I think that I, I think that I can outwork most people, and uh, that's kind of what. Some of my my philosophy is on that. I heard Richard say, "I'm definitely not more talented than anybody."
2: <laughs> no, actually, I'm. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say that you. I think you are more talented. I think you know that you're more talented, but I also think you're not an asshole about it. You don't. You don't walk around as a bravado like I'm smart. It's like, oh, that guy did that. I could do that. that that's a good. Like you accept it as a challenge, not as a, you know, oh my god, how did that guy get away with it? You know, how did they get away with that? I couldn't, right? I probably have that more than Scott does. I'm probably the one who's like, "Wait a minute, I've been doing this for you know years, and all of a sudden this guy's showing up like for whatever reason, for whatever daddy issue that is that I have yet to explore in therapy um, that that's there for me um, but I agree with Scott that there's a, there's our opposites are definitely an attraction for both of us. Um, there are definitely times where we've you know I've, I've had to sort of say, scott don't do that like like called him out on something or he's called me out on something and i think we both know i think i learned it probably more from my marriage than my relationship with scott that sometimes even good friendships get messy and i know it's weird to hear guys say that stuff um but scott and i do you know there are many times we're like hey man just i know scott's illness i'm like how are you doing like yesterday i just like dude i haven't asked in two weeks how are you feeling because i just know he goes through his ups and downs right so Uh, I think that's a huge piece is that we do try to connect off business as much as people see us sort of as a partnership on things.
1: Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing I'd say is, um, you know, I I think one of the ways that people can get a lot more done is to just stop thinking and thought and stop analyzing and strategy. I mean, everybody is so big on like, let's strategize and let's do this right. And all that kind of, I'm like, Yo, if I have a, if somebody gives me a good idea, like, let's fucking go. Like, I, I don't, I don't wait. I don't think. I don't overanalyze. I'm not crippled by you know fear or anxiety with that. I don't worry if it's gonna blow up in my fa- my face. Like, I'll deal with whatever consequence. Right. So, like, if we decide right now to you know go live on LinkedIn with this, and you know because it sounds fun, let's see how many people we can get. And and like nobody watches, it's not gonna it's like who cares it's not gonna it's not gonna bother me right where I think some people will be like well how are we gonna build an audience for it and we have to promote it we got to make all this collateral it's like no you don't you know what I mean like, Richard and I have no fancy podcast equipment neither one of us has a fancy mic we don't have no background we don't need intro music you know what I mean like this is like the Ramones okay in CBGB in some dark bank club
2: right? love it that's us
1: like, That's, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs>
2: that's <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's who we are man you know with, with, what, with what we do we're scrappy make do with what we have not not overblown right
2: now that's that's the funny thing I was I've been thinking about doing a pot that's how this came about was I've been thinking about doing a podcast John Barrows is a good friend of mine I'm like dude like you know I know you're doing a podcast like is it worth it do you think he's like and John just kind of looked at me he's like do people like to hear what people have to say you know and they do and he's like, you know, you've been doing this long enough that, you you know, there's no reason you shouldn't do it. And I thought about it. And I was in, I was in, I was in uh, Austin, Scott and I had, you know, again, we were like, hey, let's go do one of these events. And we did it at Betts Recruiting. Let's see if we can get people to show up. Like we just sort of did it. You know, we figured out how to create a Zoom landing page and an Eventbrite page. And-
1: Which is like a huge accomplishment for us. But- <laughs> right, <laughs> We are effectively so- challenged.
2: So we were there and I'd been thinking about this podcast and I remember we we're sitting out on the porch at Scott's house and, and with his wife and I'm like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing a podcast. And I said, you know, the thing I want to do different is yeah. I said, I want to do it like Netflix style where we just where I drop a drop a bunch of episodes. Scott j- like jumped out of his chair. He's like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. That's genius. And then I thought about it some more. And I had said, you know, Scott, and I was starting to see this trend in the sales training world that, that companies were getting bigger um, the competitors were getting bigger, more people were coming into the space. And I was like, you know, Scott, I think we're better together than apart on this. And that sort of was where it came from. And then we were even talking about the surf and sail, the name. And I said, Scott, what do you want to call it? Of course, Scott immediately wants to go to surf and sail. So I'm like, no, I don't want it to be all branded to that. Like I want it to be about us. We just decided to do it. And, and that was it. And and the, the irony of it, the irony of all this was that i was actually recording this stuff in my garage right and i would put up a background like i had ordered a green screen and everything for zoom Finally, i just got to the point where i'm like screw this i'm in the garage and we would interview people like this and they'd be like richard are you in the garage i'm like yeah man like i gotta make do with what i got like what do you want me to do like i'm sorry that's we're just like there's nothing fancy we don't do no, no,
1: no ivory tower podcast there's
2: nothing there's nothing and and then of course and everybody would sort of give me a hard time and now i'm just sitting back here going ha ha (laughs) motherfuckers like we were were work from home before work from home was cool right we were we were already there so
1: uh. you know back on like back to the marketing thing a little bit because I actually think this is this is important point you know I I had this conversation with somebody the other day who was trying to build their own consulting business and and was asking for advice and they had given their business you know like a, a name right and the name wasn't them and they're not that well known um, in terms of their personal brand or their presence. And I'm like, dude, here's the problem I see: is like nobody knows who you are, and then nobody knows who this, you know, company name is. That doesn't make sense to me, right? It, like, and if you look at, you know, Richard's company name has his name in it. John's has his name in it. Mine's has my name in it, right? And so when we were talking about the podcast, I'm like, dude, why are we trying to reinvent the wheel with like another brand, man? Like just stick surfing sales on it. People already know it a little bit. Um, and I think that's the way to go. And, you know, luckily, you luckily yeah, luckily it's uh, working good so far. So,
3: So I got a question for you guys. Cause I think it's interesting where you both went from these, you know, really successful sales careers, sales leadership, everything. And then you both made a jump to go and, build your own consulting firm, training firm, like you wanted to branch out on your own. What, what, what led to that decision? What was it about, you know, doing your own well, thing versus me, continuing to do what you were doing? Me, I, I got fired. Like that was it.
2: So this is way
1: easier for Richard. By the way. Right.
2: Um, but, but the funny, that's the funny version people like yeah. it. But the real version is I, I was working for a very hot startup. It was getting acquired. My role was becoming redundant because it was going to like a fortune. I would, I would guess they were a fortune 50 company. They didn't need my role. Uh, The company hugged me out the door. They gave me good severance. They covered my insurance for like 90 days. Um, You know, they, they did right by me and, and you know, uh, and so that sort of happened and I was going and applying to jobs and getting all these interviews and I was talking to Scott about it and it just wasn't, I just couldn't close the interview. And then finally someone called me and said, can you help us do this? It, It was someone, Scott had actually introduced me to a year prior. Um, and I said, yeah, and I threw out this crazy number and so all of a sudden I had a client in Austin. Uh, so I was going to Austin for four weeks. Um, my first week flying home, I sit down on the plane next to this guy, you know, as fate would have it, it's Nick Meta from Gainsight. For those who don't know it, they're mm-hmm. like, if it weren't for the coronavirus, I would assume they're going to go public this year or next. Um, massive in customer success. They had like seven people at that time. Arguably this-
1: created a category.
2: Yeah, literally created yeah. the capital. And uh and again, that was just a fate thing. And so all of a sudden I had two clients each paying me for 30 days of work. So I was making what I made in six months, I made in 60 days. And I looked at I called John Barrows and I said, John, you know, what do you think? And he he pushed me to do it. And I think I'm sure I talked to Scott about it and created a website and um and and it just sort of went off from there. So that it fate just sort of intervened for me. Um And I had also been through, that was from 2008 was when I met Scott, up until that was 2012. I'd been through so much in terms of jobs and looking for jobs and finding jobs and false starts with startups and stuff like that, that it was kind of like, I guess the world was finally ready to give me this shot, right, like that that this was the opportunity and I had to go for it. and then I loved everything about it. Like I loved how much I worked. I loved how much I didn't work. I loved I was home from school most days if I was in town. I was here when the boys came home from school. I got them out to the school, uh, traveled a bit, which gave us a bunch of flyer miles to take the family so like I it just became this thing. I didn't ever have to ask anybody for vacation time, like you know, <laughs> like all these things that that people think about and you just and it just sort of fell into my lap. So um, and, I, and I had some guidance along the way. Scott was always there for me. John Barrows was there. Trish Bertuzzi was there. Definitely people sort of like, well, here's Richard. Here's what you, you know, you might want to think about it this way. So that's how it happened for me.
1: So And then for me, for eight years, this son of a bitch has been nagging me in my ear to <laughs> stop working for somebody else. I think he just wants somebody to shoot the shit with during the day so he's not bored and...
2: I think that's true, particularly, you know,
1: he wants to go on vacation. And I'm like, dude, I, I, you know, I got to work. I don't, I don't, I don't have any PTO left. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Still working for somebody (laughs) Uh, much more uh, winding, much more winding road for me. Kind of a a combination of, uh, you know, I had a bit more luck in, in some of the startups that I went to and, uh, and building them, them out. Um, but I'm also a chicken shit compared to Richard in all candor, right? Like I, I don't, as fast as I make certain choices, like I'm pretty risk adverse, uh, in others, you know? And so I, I had these things that I wanted to achieve and to get done and attain before I, you know, felt comfortable kind of going off. Um, on but I, also
2: think, I think Scott, I'll say this about you is that, you are financially risk averse you don't like to take gambles on finances yeah right? and i think some of that's also built in because of the, the health stuff you went through sure um yeah you know, i'm, 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 I'm saving up
1: for a real bad thing that i hope doesn't come you know
2: or insurance or you know what's possible you know are they going to start you know doing away with pre-existing conditions under this new rule if you were to quit and go get your own health insurance like what about your pre like you have other things that sort of make you have forced you to be that way for a long time. Right. You know, I, you know, the joke is is that I'm always sort of low risk Scott. I, I, you know, Scott is high risk Scott and I'm low risk and, and I'm high risk on the financial side and Scott's very low risk there when it comes to activities or trying something new, that's where I'm super low risk and Scott's a yep. really high risk. Right. And he'll take ideas, you know, we'll talk about something and he'll take an idea and he'll run with it and he'll blow me away with it. And then I get angry because I'm like, well, I could have done that, you know, but it's not, you know, like, but that that's our yin and yang. Like, that's just sort of how we work. Um, and we respect it in each other, I think. So.
3: I think there's such candor too. like it, it's, there's self-awareness, which is amazing. But there's also just kind of transparency between the two of you. Like, you know, you know what you both signed up for. Like when you started working, you know, and obviously it's been a long relationship between the two of you, but there's no, it seems like there's no filter almost.
1: Well, I don't think either one of us have much of a filter when we're apart, let alone, let alone together. <laughs> and, and both of us have gotten in trouble many, many times before for that lack of filter. Um, and, you know, look, we don't have any filter when we're talking about things together. You know, we're both big. Uh, supporters and proponents of you know uh, employee rights and and physical health issues and mental health issues and all of these kind of things so um, you know we I think a little bit there's a little bit of burden of responsibility and like you know we have some sort of platform and so you know we we can if we can't speak up on certain things how can others right and so you know we just try to be I just try to be real, man. You know, there's no pomp in circumstance. Um, you know, we're a mess, just like everybody else sometimes. So, it most is of the time. time, most of the time, yeah, exactly.
0: I I feel like one of the things also that cracks me up about you two is just like you guys are such just go with the flow type of guys. Like as I've listened to you know so many of the interviews you guys have done and um, just also sharing the mic with you guys today like whatever comes in front of you you guys literally will just paddle yourselves to the left paddle yourselves to the right or just push your ways through it like what did you like how did you both get to that like was it just years and years of like failure and adversity and learning or like did you guys just come out the womb and you've always been these type of dudes
2: I can, I can tell you that I've always been that way. You know, my mom were here, you know, she'd answer that question. There's examples of me, you know, going off to Washington DC for like the model UN or whatever, or my social studies class. And my teacher looked down at me, you know, I was all dressed up. We were going to the Supreme court. We got to go into the Supreme court and watch them try a case. And it was a terrible case. It was about state's rights of who owned the waterway or something. So it wasn't that fun, but she looked at me and she goes, are you wearing slacks and loafers and no socks? That's what my teacher said. I said, yeah, yeah. She's like, go back to the hotel and get socks. I said, I didn't bring any socks. She's like, I'm going to call your mother right now and tell her that you don't have any socks on. I said, she knows. <laughs> like my mom's been <laughs> battling this problem for years. Right? Like, like there's nothing there. You know? my, you know, there's, there's tons of stories like that. There were times where my mom would like volunteer me to do stuff. And, it, and I think it took me 30 years. Like mom, stop giving out people's phone numbers because I just moved to San Francisco and telling them to call me. Stop it. Like, stop doing that. I can make my own friends. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and, she does, and, and she's doing it from a very nerdy. Like, she's a mom, right? Like, that's her job. I'll probably do it to my kids, you know? But, you know, so I've always been that rebellious. And even, you know, we were, belonged to the country club as a, as a kid, you know, my mom like, you can't wear cutoff shorts. And I'm like, why? She's like, well, what are people gonna say? And I'm like, mom, I don't care what people say. Like, I've had that attitude my whole life. Um, so, which is also deep beneath all that, though, was also a big piece of some of my mental health and depression issues, which I will not talk about today, but I'm happy to another day. So there was a little bravado there, but it was really covering up some other stuff and some insecurities. You know, oftentimes when you do that, you're really facing it. You're avoiding an insecurity internally. So anyway, I don't know how Scott was. I assume he was because he was an athlete.
1: So Yeah. Well, you know, I relate to the mom thing because every single time my mom sees me, she's like, I can't believe you haven't shaved. Right. Right. And I'm like, you literally have been telling me this for 30 fucking years. Like I don't, you're going to lose this battle. Right. And then she listens to the show and she's like, I don't understand why you have to curse so much. And I'm like, seriously, just let it, let it go. Let it go. Well, my, you know? my
2: biggest thing is if I can get my mom to, I, I sort of have a mental game where I'm trying to get my mom to drop the F bomb on every
1: visit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I I have, I had a rebellious, you know, streak, but it was more, it was less like, I think it was more just like confidence in myself and like a chip on my, my shoulder. Right. So like everybody in high school, I can remember everybody freaking out and stressing out about the SAT. Right. And how are you going to do? And are you going to go to college? And you know, this means everything. And I have a real problem with people who are zealous about anything. I, I Instantly go kind of the other direction if you're if you're too too much of a zealot, and so I literally took mushrooms the night before I took the SAT. And <laughs> I went into the SAT the next day, and I I finished the fucking thing and I looked around and nobody else was done. I was the first person done, right? And you know I, I got my my scores back and I, you know I got a 1200 and I was like, ah, I'll take it, pretty good, right? I've always been like, I've always just been like cool with like a B plus, A minus, like get me to the next thing. Right. And then, you know, and then I'm in, I'm in high school. This is a sports story in high school. And, uh, you know, I was playing four sports up until high school and then like time constraints, you know, the better, the higher you go as an athlete, like, more is demanded of you. Right. And so I'm, I'm my, my, uh, we're in tryouts basically in, in early practices for my junior year of high school basketball. And I've started to grow my hair out and uh, the the coach is, is like dude you, you gotta shave your head if you're gonna you're gonna play on the, the basketball team and you know I was gonna be like starter maybe the sixth man as a junior or something like that and I'm like I kind of laughed at him I'm like yeah that's funny you know and he, and he was serious he was serious right and I, I had, wasn't playing high school soccer at the time I was playing competitive select soccer and so you know, I asked one of my buddies, I'm like, hey, how many days left are in high school soccer tryouts? Because like, I might tell this basketball coach to fuck off and go play high school soccer. And they're like, there's, there's only two days left, man. And so I went back to practice the next day. And he's like, I, you know, basketball coach is like, I think you need to get a haircut. And I'm like, you know what, I'm out, dude, I quit. And I, I quit. And I go to, to soccer tryouts. And there's two days left the high school soccer tryouts, high school coach doesn't really know who I am. All the players know who I am. They all know I'm enough to be on the team. So I asked my buddy, I'm like, what position is the weakest? Like, where's the weakest starter right now? What's going to be the easiest person for me to knock out basically. Right. And so they told me, and the first time I had the opportunity, I flattened this guy and, and he was, he was a senior and I just wiped <laughs> him out. And the, the coach was like, whoa, 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 way too aggressive. Like, who are you? You just showed up. You know what? I'm like, my name's Scott. And you're not going to forget my name. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> And I, and I, and you know, they put me on the team and I stole the guy's starting spot and that's that. So I've just, I've always had that kind of, that kind of mentality, man. A couple of weird stories about me.
3: So, so how do you guys, is there anything you guys have done that, you know, whether it's sports, it's something growing up, like how did you guys apply those types of things maybe to like your professional lives to, you know, find success or was it just kind of being you no matter what, what environment you were in?
1: Well, the chip on my shoulder is still there, still motivates me. I can remember one of the first, uh, you know, bosses that I ever had um, telling me that Scotty's little sales club, which is what he called my, my sales team that I was managing of like 15, 20 people. Scotty's little sales club is never going to work. You need to, you know, do all these things. is all this different way. I never forgot that, right? And I've leapfrogged that guy in my career, um, you know, many times over now. Um,
2: God, I, I might have to get you a t-shirt that says that for your birthday.
1: <laughs> uh, please don't. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've, I've left jobs um, that I was doing pretty, pretty well in and comfortable for for risky things. All right. Um, I left one startup in Austin for another one that was floundering that I thought I could save and and I did and things like that. Um, so there's, there's that part of me that I think that's always been there in terms of proving people wrong. And, and whenever somebody tells me I can't do something, I, I sort of dig in and I'm like, fuck you. I'm, I'm now I'm going to do it more than ever. And, you know, I think that, I think that helps you as a salesperson, as a, as a leader and as an entrepreneur. You know?
2: I had a, I had a, had the chip on my shoulder, still have it, but my chip was more about proving my parents wrong. It was all this pressure that, that I felt they were putting on me was me knowing, I'm gonna be in control. I mean, this went all the way back to high school when we went from junior high to high school, um, or yeah, to, well, I guess for us to middle school, from elementary to middle school, you know, it was like my parents wanted me to go to the private school. I didn't wanna to go to the private school. I told them that if they, my parents were divorced, and I remember meeting at the Burger King one morning for breakfast, we were gonna have this a conversation about why not going to Mount the Sales versus, which is the private school versus, you know, Central, which was the public school. And I said, I'm not going there. Lynn's already gone there and created so much trouble. I don't want to deal with dress codes. I said, you know, I was I, you know, lucky enough that I was in, in the public school honor system, which was the equivalent of all the higher, the higher ed classes and AP and stuff. Like, I can get the same level of education at the public school as the private school. And, and, I, and, and at that time, you could. You really could. And I said, I'm not going in. If you send me, I'm kicking, you're going to kick me. I'm going to get kicked out. So I just sort of said that. So I must've been 13 or 14, some obnoxious little shit. And, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, it it goes way back Um, and it could go back to, so there was this chip on my shoulder about my parents controlling me and doing things and then me wanting to be more successful than them. And, but through all that, for me, there was a lot of anger. So my chip on my shoulder was anger to my parents. And then through therapy, I've had to sort of readjust that chip and I've, I've become less angry, obviously. Um, and I don't carry that chip as hard as I used to. Um, I'm probably more addicted to the lifestyle than I am the proving people right or wrong thing. Like I just like, I like what sales affords me, um, in a life. So I don't, I, that's where I'm different than Scott, where it's Scott's hardwired that way. I don't think I'm I'm I'm, hardwired.
1: Like my book, man, I'm, I'm just addicted to the process. Like you could, you could could strip a lot of the money and stuff away. And like, I'm still, I'm still going to be irritated that you're, that you're telling me I can't do something and. I'm going to yeah. try to do it, prove people wrong and whatnot.
0: You know, man, I just got like eight ideas about how to push you
1: in directions, but I will hold those for later. Please, please be careful. Me too. <laughs> I, please. Go for it.
2: <laughs> Travis, give him one. Just give him one right now. I, so I'm, one that working,
1: I'm working so much right now, and I will end up trying to okay. delegate some of the work to Richard, and he, he <laughs> thinks he's going to get away with it right now, but all of a sudden it's going to end up on his plate as well.
2: No, come on, Travis. What
1: you got?
0: So, the one that just came to my mind was that like sales is not a thing that's taught in college. And like, you two could write the curriculum on sales. Like, Scott, uh, like you both, like, Scott, you wrote a book, Addicted to the Process. And Richard, like, I literally followed neat selling when I first started selling. Like, when I was an SDR for the first time, I literally used that to like qualify. So, If you were to think about teaching, or like, what would you do if someone was like, "Yo, like, how can you get college kids interested in
1: sales?" Like, what would you do? That's a that's a great that's a great question. That's a really good question. How do you get college kids interested in sales? That's that's the good question because so many people like me just randomly fell into sales, never studied anything. Right? There are, I will say that there are some programs now um yeah that if they don't have full-on degrees they certainly have specialties and um like minors and things like that so it's it's starting to get some traction how do you get more to mainstream how do you get more kids involved in, in sales i mean number one i think you you work on um the stigma around it and and the stigma being like still stuck around from the 1980s you know um sleazy car salesmen and wall street salesmen and, you know, crooked, pushy people and, and stuff like that. Um, and the profession is, is really evolved away from that and continues to evolve away from that. Um, but there's still that stigma, you know, um, here's,
2: here's how we do it. And I'm, now I'm going to challenge Scott and he's going to be angry, right? Like so I just got, look at that. I love, I hope people go back and watch the look on Scott's <laughs> face. I just got asked to, to speak at St. Mary's, uh, college. That's uh, awesome,
1: man. Yeah, I
2: know. So, um, so my goal, my, one of my goals and I, and I challenged Scott to this, and I know he'll like this is, um, because all these schools are are, have had to go virtual. Um, I know they're looking for more speakers or something to just dial in for 45 minutes and talk about something. So I've already reached out to, you know, the, the UC school at Haas at Berkeley uh, this one at St. Mary's fell in my lap, like many things do. And now I'm like, oh, I should do something with this. And now I'm giving this to Scott and I already know he's like,
1: I know somebody at UT. I know somebody literally know, I literally know somebody really high up at Haas. And all I can think about is I'm going to get the Berkeley gig and tell Richard to fuck off. I got you. <laughs> You're an asshole. But
2: that, <laughs> how, but that, that is genuinely, that's how we operate. Like, hey, we'll get this <laughs> idea and... It'll happen, and I can already tell Scott. This just got added to Scott's to-do list. I already know him. He's like, I don't know how. I
1: don't. This, this is where I need help. I need to remove. I need to remove this piece of DNA that here's Richard say he got the, you know, thing at St. Mary's, which I'm very happy to hear that he got. But I need to remove the ability for him to dope me into me having to do all these same things now. I. I, I that, this is a problem. Now.
0: He didn't say nothing though. You said what you were about to do, and you were telling him to fuck off through your mouth. That's
1: how you... little. That's how little he has to push me. That's how little he. Ha- it's like so at the surface.
3: That's it's amazing crazy. to watch, like the reaction. It, it was a little. It was a little poke, like uh, the smallest of pokes. He was very, he was very gentle. It's impressive, man. Here's I here's also awesome
2: what's gonna happen. I'm gonna get a call from Scott in a week. He's got. He's gonna be like, dude, I got ten of those. I'm like, what? <laughs> you, know I mean? like, you at least get me in on one of them no nope. <laughs> that's that's how he'll get me back and you won't get to see that but that's what will happen so <laughs>
1: well, now that that's, that's a really good good question though you know i, I think also you you career path that i think a lot of people think of sales just as like a gig just as like a, a thing to do for this particular period of time to get me by until i can do what i actually really want to do right and I don't think there's maybe been enough storytelling and narration around, well, here's the progression. First, you do this kind of sale and then you learn about this type and then that type. And then you can go this operational direction. You can go this more account management direction. Mm-hmm. There's a leadership track. There's a Fortune 50 kind of track where you're doing million dollar deals. You can travel the world. You can you know make good money. You can influence people's lives. You can give back to the community and teach all these other people the things that you know right somebody and I don't think that that narrative uh exists you know Scott you need to write that book
0: <laughs> nah here's what we're gonna do you just if laid you decide, it out if, <laughs> if, <laughs> nah, I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a call narration here if you decide to do that I will personally interview you for your book Scott so you don't have to write everything down I'll literally call you twice a week We'll set aside an hour and you can just talk. And we'll I want in on
2: that one though. He can't have that one by himself. we will give you some author notes. <laughs> some co-authors.
1: Some shout outs. To... You can write the foreword, Richard.
2: <laughs> Please. So the, I, would, I, I would actually go a <laughs> step further. This would be my contribution to the book is to say every single human being you know is in sales. And it started when you were two and you said, no, I don't want that. Every single one of us and it lasted all the way through life. It's still going on. Like even Scott's mom is still trying to sell him on shaving the beard, right? And Scott is, is you know, trying to sell her back that it's never gonna happen, right? Like it never stops. And I think to Scott's point about removing the stigma, if we kind of say, wait a minute, first of all, if you aren't in sales, like everything you do, you're in sales. You need to convince someone to do it your way at work. That's his job, right? you're trying to influence a team you lead in marketing, that's a sales job, right? CEO, it's a sales job to get people motivated. I mean, uh, you know, my hat goes off to all these CEOs who do startups where, I mean, they're selling a dream and a vision, right? Nick made a selling a dream to 15 people at Gainsight of this category creation. Like if that's not the ultimate sales job, I don't know what is, you know? and there's lots of ways to do it. So I think that's how you remove the stigmas by saying, look, you've already been doing it. And, and truthfully, you've probably been a sleazy car salesperson somewhere along the way. Some point you tried to convince mom and dad, you want to go to spring break in Cabo, right? Some point you had to convince mom and dad, you know, you wanted to go to a party school, not Harvard or whatever it was like, you know, not that they don't party in Harvard, but you know, it's been going on for a long time. So I think you kind of have to remind people of like, wait a minute, I've done this and it's really not that bad. And you, then you can decide if you actually like it. So then your career path. Yeah
0: I, yeah. I was gonna say, I think that's such an interesting point. And like, one of my early mentors, he, like the, one of the thing, first things I learned out of college, uh, uh, a guy named Mr. Jensen, uh, rest in peace. He left us a few years back. Um, but what he told me was, he's like, when you're thinking about business and you're thinking about sales, if you think about the fast nickel or if you're thinking about the slow dime at the end of the day, like you're going to pick your, your, your game. Like, do you want things to come fast and you want to be that one hit wonder and the quick seller, or are you someone that wants to put in the long hours and like realize that this is an infinite game and you're addicted to the process? Like you mentioned, Scott, and like, this is the thing that you're moving towards. So like for me, luckily early on, I learned that being this like salesperson, I could touch operations. I could touch customer success. I could touch new business. I could touch engineering. I literally have touched almost every part of a company inside of each one of my roles. And not by like design. I was always the guy that was like, hey, like, what do you do over there in like machine learning? And like, how could that be applied to sales and what I'm doing? What could I learn from the 50 million sets of SQL queries you guys just ran last week? To better identify who i'm targeting on a day-to-day basis
2: so like so let me i want to interrupt you on this so yeah. you, know, you talked about the slow nickel and the fast time which is great and i just wrote down a number that i know is in scott's head i'm willing to bet he can guess scott based on this conversation what number are you thinking about
1: what number am i thinking about i'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking about a dollar
2: right. well this is what i because this is how i know scott scott's gonna be like wait a minute. I can still get 15 cents. <laughs> <laughs> like he and I have both, right? And that, but that's how he's wired. And there are times where I like, I will call Scott and go, okay, I got to go through these two decisions. And, the, and it's the one thing I know about Scott is like, oh, Scott wouldn't try to make one decision or the other. He tried to figure out how to do both.
1: Yeah. And it comes he, back to that, that anti-zealot thing that I'm talking about, right? Yeah.
2: And so, and so. You really
1: pick one or the other. Yeah. And that's
2: what I like. That's the piece of my DNA that I miss. And I finally realized that about in the last two years of like, wait a minute, how do I do this delicately? How do I play that? I'm not good at the politics game. Like I'm too straightforward. Scott's much better at that. Um, and and so that to me is what I see is really, really important on that entrepreneurial level at that. Those CEOs I'm talking about is they, they actually kind of sit down and go, well, wait a minute, who says I can't have 15 cents? I can wait, do both.
1: It's interesting, Travis, how like, curious and inquisitive you you are about all those pieces and you know like um just always always wanting to learn and all that um I was not that way you know it took me a long time to even realize I probably should know more about these other pieces of the business I was always just like I'm gonna stay in my lane right here in the early days you know but you you picked that up way faster than me and it you know, sounds like you're genuinely, genuinely interested in all that kind of stuff. That just for
0: some, that come just for some uh, wheels, this is, these are business notebooks.
2: Yeah, I've got that stack too. So, like, you Can't throw them away, right?
1: Hell no. But I take notes as well, right? And I, I'm, I'm a huge note taker, but I wasn't taking notes about how engineering is set up and how product teams are set up. And I wasn't learning project management skills and all this kind of shit. Right. Like I'm, I'm assuming you, you like dove into all these, you know, topics. I'm just saying I, I didn't do that, you know, and I, that's a mistake that I made. And so I'm, I'm just, it's interesting to me and I'm curious how you had that at such a, a young age, if you will.
2: I think that's their generation, dude. Like that's the difference between us at Gen X, like where Scott was able to laser focus. I ignored everybody. I thought I already knew it all. Like I was never curious about learning And I think the younger generation is why I like working with them. And What they teach me is is that it's natural for them to go Google something or YouTube something. Like that's not natural. Like the other day I was with a buddy of mine. We were in Tahoe. We had to put snow tires on the chain. And we were like trying to figure it out. It took me 10 minutes to go, wait a minute. I bet there's a YouTube video on this. Yeah. Like, whereas you guys would be like, YouTube, like, you know. (laughs) And like, these are the things that I'm just... I, that's what I love about Travis, right? And I, and and Kevin, as I learn about you too, like I just love this curiosity and the way, just the way you're asking these questions is, is far superior than I ever did at that
1: age. Man, Kevin's as old as we are. I can see some silver in his beard. <laughs>
3: I'll tell you, the longer it comes in, the more gray it gets. There's nothing I can do to hide it, man. I'm just embracing it.
1: Hey, you gotta embrace it. You gotta you gotta let yeah. it go. I-
0: yeah, you'll be all right. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the grays out and the, the cover art. Um, I, as you were saying, learning, it's, it's funny. As we're developing this show, like, one thing that we've been going back and forth on is, like, the cover art and, like, what we're going to use. And so, like, literally today, I'll send you both a picture after, but, like, today I was literally teaching myself Illustrator and how to, like, actually draw cartoons. Like, I was doing that before. We're <laughs> yeah, almost done. I'm almost done, but like it's to your point, like whenever there's something in front of me that I want to learn, I'm like, ain't no way anyone's good. Like, it's not that I think everything's not that hard, right? So, if you tell me that you don't think I can generate uh, a quarter of a million dollars in revenue in a week, I'm like, that's not that hard. Or if you tell me that I can't learn engineering or I can't be in marketing because I don't, I can tell you
2: this, Travis, you're not going to make that kind of money learning Illustrator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: that and that's the, that's the funny part and, and i think that's the other like aspect of it it's like right. what of the skills that i've learned are actually applicable to generating revenue from a business
2: standpoint the art of learning and the ability to be patient about creating this process and understanding it is good but at some point you're gonna have to let go of that stuff right and scott will tell you that, and and i i'm actually worse at it i'm a little bit more like you where i'd be like well let me figure this out and scott's like i don't want to figure it out like if I we've done sixty whatever episodes, if I said Scott go upload this, he'd be like, I don't I don't even know where to start. No idea. You know, That's if me. You me
1: up, if you told me to upload it, I'd, I'd, forward, I'd forward the email to Travis and be like, can you upload this for me? So <laughs> I, have a, I
2: have a question. What? I want to turn it back on you guys for a second. What spawned this idea for you guys to do a podcast? So,
3: so for for I mean for me, right? Like, it it actually is the learning right? Like for me, I get to have conversations with you two guys, right? Like I I get to get out there and talk to people and ask questions and learn. Right. Um, so for me, it really was just more of an opportunity to learn and just kind of challenge myself. Like this is the first time I've done this, right? Like this is so far outside my comfort zone right now. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's learning and growth, something different. How about you, Travis?
0: Yeah. I mean, for me i've all i've been in like podcast creation mode for the last like almost two years now and i've wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper because i've been this like community focused type of dude where i've interviewed community builders and facilitators and entrepreneurs and i realized like at my core like i'm a business marketing business development sales guy like that's what i am right so um when kevin mentioned that you know he had interest in starting a podcast i was like you know what like Similar to what you guys said, like, it's better to team up and put our heads together than try to do this thing apart. So we were like, look, like, let's figure out a name, created a little Google sheet that Kevin started, and then we just kept iterating on names. Then we were like, let's get our first guest. Then we got three interviews under our belt, had some amazing people on Wait, already. We, we're not the
2: first ones? We're not the first?
0: Ah, uh, sorry. Wow. You know, nah, oh, you're like oh number man. four. Number four. I mean, you were actually the second booked. So (laughs) we're the second booked. Then you guys are like, we'll, we'll do it on the 10th. But like we've had since then, we've had on uh, Morgan Ingram, uh, Roderick Jefferson, and also I've just, uh, just been trying to find people that have been there and done it in the space. Right. And like, how can we bring a different conversation to the table is kind of where me and Kevin both landed out. Right. Like, Can you go get the?
2: What are are the differences between you two? What is the difference, like?
0: So the for me, uh, I'm I feel like I'm coming from the like on the ground approach, right? Like I've been the SDR, and like that's kind of where my lane is, right? So the tactical uh, on the ground, emailing, like BDR perspective, and trying to also give like to that college point, the college question earlier, like what can college kids do? Like I want to show people that like sales is a is an area that you can go into and build a great career out of it but like it's if you started early on like i wish someone gave me the challenge of sale in college to read before i graduated like if i can be that person for people like i will go home and, and sleep happy at night um but like i, I guess kevin I'd, I'd love for you to kind of share the, the other perspective
3: yeah i mean i th- i think I don't know. It, it, it seems like when, when we talk about a topic, like we both start on from, from different ends of the spectrum or different vantage points. And like, as we talk through it, like we start to kind of like align and get on the same page. And then like, we kind of catch momentum on something. So it's not always like right off the jump, we're completely in agreement on something or have the same exact opinion on something, but we kind of talk through it. And then all of a sudden we're like, all right, interesting. And when we have conversations, like it, it just seems like, we catch a lot of momentum with our ideas and different topics and things we want to do or, or even just kind of explore and learn about. So I think, you know, like when we started this, we were saying to ourselves, we're like, how do we just get going? Right? Like Scott, to your point before, it's like, you could easily just fall into like planning mode for six months and not do shit. Right. Yeah. So it was like, look, man, B's and C's get degrees. So like, let's do something that's going to force more action. So it was like, fuck it, get someone on the podcast, like schedule the first one. And then we're going to have to figure out a name. We're going to have to figure out, like we're going to have to figure out the rest of this to get it going. So um, I think just in terms of like, there's some stark differences, but I also think it's just like, we, we, we work well together. That's cool. That's great. I think that's, that's how it should
2: be. Right. Just, just start and it'll get better. Right.
1: Yeah. you know, so that's yeah. cool. Now you just have to produce sixty episodes in the next sixty days or whatever. Yo, like, I whatever. mean, y- y'all.
0: Wrote, I keep telling y'all, y'all wrote the blueprint for two dudes <laughs> that called me when I was on the phone in my basement and to talk about some of the things y'all were saying. And now to be where you guys are, like ninety days later, I'm just like, this is the epitome of anybody that's either that's looking the to next door. No
2: right. What, what are you going to call it? That's the next book. You've got three books you've got to write coming out of this one episode, Scott. <laughs> How did I get,
1: I get into this podcast and I come out with four times as much work as when I went into it? <laughs> so,
3: so, Travis, I got a question for you, right? Because I think, you know, there, there's so much, I think people learn a lot from, from you two guys because you guys are, are out there, you're posting, right? You produce a lot of content, you're out there training, you're interacting. So people learn a lot from what you're saying. My question for Travis is you've been working with these guys for a while now. What, what have you learned about these two from watching what they do?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
3: I like that. Yeah. I want to hear that one too. I'm going to go on mute.
0: Man. Oh my God. Be honest, Travis.
2: Be honest about either one of us.
0: Yeah. No. So like the, the very first thing that I learned from both of you is this was like a huge personal lesson. Like don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. And that's something that I've struggled with because like, and this is something we kind of talked about a little bit, Kev, but like uh, me being African-American in this tech space has been something that's always been on my shoulders. And like to see you guys day in and day out go on podcasts and literally not care what people think about what you say or the point of views you share or how you deliver a message. Like that's something that, I'm like, oh my God, like if I was doing this a year ago or two years ago and people really knew how I felt about whatever it was, like I would be so much further ahead than where I'm at right now. Um, so that's like big thing number one for me. Um, I guess the other thing that I've that I've learned, like the tactical stuff is like a no brainer. Like if you listen to either of you two talk, like I'm going to learn something. So it's not, to, for me, it's not specifically about like, Oh, like what did the, the neat sales model teach me? Or what did, you know, uh, a multi-sensory experience in Costa Rica teach me? Um, like, what could I learn from that? But more so like knowing when you guys are speaking to shut up and listen. Like when I was on the, the happy hour with you, Scott, like the second you dropped that story, I was like, notebook, what was the story? What was the thing? So like whenever I'm around either of you, it's just like shut up and listen because I know you're going to provide value. And even if it's not tangible, I'm going to get a laugh or be entertained to some extent. So those are like the, the two big things for me. So, um,
1: appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank man. You. So Thanks, long. man. <clears throat> what so let's, let's, let's give, let's give him the opportunity right now, Richard, to say some things that, uh, you know, <laughs> he wishes he would have said and been a little bit more, more. Yeah, what would you say two years ago? Oh, uh, let me frame the question a little differently, and a little more to the point. If somebody asked you two years ago, what's it like being an African-American in the, in the tech community? How would your answer be different, if at all, than me asking you right now? What's your experience like being an African-American in the tech community? Oh, boy. So two years ago, I would have said, this
0: shit ain't fair, bro. I would have been like, there's no way that a kid could go put in so many hours outside of your company and then still bring you value and bring you results and still try to level you up after you've knocked him down repeatedly time after time to keep giving him a back seat and giving other people front row seats to success and growth. Like there's no way that this makes sense. And then to have it be in a moment to where Literally, you're teaching someone the wrong thing, and it's agreed upon across the whole team that it's not what should be being taught, and this is not actually going to be effective for the growth and the success of your company. Like, to for me to stand up and say like I don't agree with this, and then to be shunned from a meeting because I said that like that's that doesn't make any sense.
1: So that's the that's the couple years ago, right now. What about now? So now
0: I'd say, like, I, Deborah, it doesn't even matter. Like, it, it, if, if you can't understand that I bring value to the conversation and you don't like or agree with what I'm saying, then, like, you can kick rocks. So it's like more, is, more,
1: is it more than about just confidence in, your, in yourself than, you know, anything going on or around you and on, around all of us, like, changing in some particular way? So I think
0: it's like two pieces of that. So the first piece I'll say is it definitely is internal confidence. And it's something that I struggled with, especially early on in my career when I was doing everything right in my eyes, but I still wasn't getting the opportunities when I would still take back seats to other people just to say like, Hey, like I know the team needs this. And so I'll go do that. Even though it's like third down the list of what Travis wants, but because you're the leader and I'm a team player, I'm going to take the back seat and hopefully trust that you'll get me there. But that trust was put into the wrong people multiple times. And so like for me to get past that, it's like, uh, was it, your, it, was, it was hard.
2: You, do you remember a, a pivot point, you know, six months ago, 12 months ago where like I'm done with this attitude or it may not be that specific. Right. But when did, when did you start to have an aha moment and kind of go, wait a minute,
0: probably about like three to four months ago. And it's kind of been picking up steadily, right? And this, this this podcast is another one of the examples of that picking up, right? So being able to talk more and share my ideas more and just being out there more is something that I was like, I used to get told not to go on LinkedIn, because I have to get back to my activities. And I'm like, you just saw that this one campaign generated 15 meetings, but you want me to go make more phone calls. Like why? Yeah. No, I don't want to make more phone calls. You, like you're rewarding all the wrong things. And so it was out of my control. Like I couldn't go tell the CRO that like, he's treating me bad. Like it's just a oh, one story of a sales rep saying and, and complaining. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I've never gotten to like, let those things out cause I've always been afraid of like what it would, like if I were to share these things about what happened to me, then would anybody want that type of person on their team? And so- yeah, go
2: ahead. I'm going to ask this question, and I'll 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 be delicate, uh, and hopefully I don't ask it the wrong way. So please call me out if I do. Do you feel like some of that holding back is because, hey, it's not so much that I disagree, but it's also that I disagree, and someone might see me as African American first, not just as a human, right? Like that's look, there's there's no doubt that you know, white privilege, whatever you want to call it, from that perspective, right, exists, has existed, and stuff, but. curious to understand what that's like from your perspective so that one i can understand it and two people listening can kind of learn from it too and i hope i asked that the right way and if i didn't i really apologize
0: no 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 i i mean i think you were fine um but i i think to answer your question i think it's like a little bit of both like the the one topic that i see And I have a very strong opinion about, but if you've not yet really spoken out about is the diversity and inclusion topic. Like there was an event at a company that I was at that had someone of the opposite race and they came in and did the diversity training. And it was uh, literally like scratching fingernails on a chalkboard. Every moment was just worse and worse and worse to the extent that I raised my hand and asked like, what race does Travis sound like to you? He was like, well, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I know me either. Right. Like you, who would have guessed? Like, what am I? Like, I don't fit into your boxes of of people names. Like I'm sitting right in front of you and to, to get so upset to, to feel like I'm, I can't even control myself in a work environment. Like the fact that a Company pushed me to that. It's like, how are they not self aware to realize that this would touch on so many emotional buttons for a majority of people and their staff that, like, they still went through with it because they had to do it? So, like, in that instance, like, right. So, like, in that instance, the race thing definitely comes top of mind. Like, well, he's the black guy at work that just got upset because we didn't acknowledge his name was Travis, and that's not really a racial uh, identifiable name. So, on that end, it does have a little bit of an effect, but then like one thing that I've always tried to do that my mom has taught me to do is like, be the best you can possibly be regardless of race, gender, age. Like when I was triple jumping, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm the best African-American triple jumper in the state of Delaware. It's like, no, no, no. I was the best triple jumper in the state of Delaware. My senior season, like there was no race there. I was just trying to be the, the best that I could be. So, it's it's tough when it's always in the back of your head like, what well, do they just see me as this like African American and like do they just wanna give me a chance because they feel bad? Or do they actually see me for being good at what I do and they want me because of the value that I bring to the organization? So it's a it's a delicate thing that I'm still working through, but that, that's Well, you're talking like. but you're talking about it
1: now, dude. You're talking about it now, right? You're not you're not keeping it bottled up. And I'm, I'm, my challenge right now though is i'm trying to picture you triple jumping it's it's just difficult. <laughs> my challenge is i'm trying to see you in, Scottson, in uh, scott <laughs>
2: what, what what do
1: you say? what are you trying to see richard
2: i was trying to say that i i'm i know you're excited that he's from delaware because you know oh yeah you have a- fun
1: fact i was born in wilmington delaware you're a lion nope fun fact I don't have my wallet here, I'd show you my driver's license, yeah. Oh my, my God, that's where my, I grew dad up, I grew was, up uh, in my My dad was teaching at the University of Delaware uh, when, when I, and I was born there. I didn't live there very long, only a couple months, and he got transferred to uh, Arizona State. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I even have a t-shirt, my most famous t-shirt. It says, Delaware is for losers. And <laughs> I, wear <it. laughs> I wear it all the time, man. Yeah. And, especially at airports and stuff. And like, it gets comments everywhere I go. It's like my favorite shirt. And I tell oh. people, and I tell people that, uh, well, I can get away with it because you know, I was born there.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to find one of those that I, I, try, can, I gotta try to
1: send you one. I gotta try to send you one.
0: That's crazy. Oh, I, I didn't know that. But also thanks for, for bringing that out of me, both of you, like all three of you, like it's, it's one of those things that it, it takes, uh, an interesting set of personalities for me to be able to be comfortable to be able to say something like this and I I know that um for the people also listening to to this and all like other ones like me like I the the episode that also stuck out to me that you guys did was the one with KD
1: yeah
0: and being the only one and so like that one I'm like man like to, to hear the stories that he went through and like to also feel those and not speak out about it it's like you know what? It's time. And like, even Morgan has helped me come, come through the storytelling a little bit. So um, it's just one of those things now to where I'm like, I want to do my share and help other people realize that one, like this is a safe space. Like sales is a world that you can get into and that, you know, people have evolved with um, Which I also want to get on before we hop off. Like I really want to get both your takes on the evolution of like Kevin went through the index card selling days and like you guys have um, sure been through your fair share of evolution. So definitely want to um... index cards.
3: My, my first job, it was like legit. They handed out index cards and then you had to go to a website. Oh, we, we printed out a company website and that was, that was the lead.
1: I told you this dude is as old as us, man. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I, when, I, when, uh, when I first
2: met Scott and was running a sales team, we were literally pulling up lists. You know, it was a local play, but we, we would be pulling up, I don't even think it existed then, because it was 2008, or maybe it had just started. We were pulling up the equivalent of Yelp for buying puppies. And we would just call down, well, there was no printing it out. We were, we were selling online ads. And so we would just go find whatever, and real estate agents. Oh, I'm gonna go sell to real estate agents in Macon, Georgia right? All right, well, go, here's a list of them. And you just call them, right? There was no, we didn't even get index cards,
1: right? There was no no such thing as sales enablement. No such thing as sales ops. No such thing as SDRs. No, so I didn't have a CRM let alone nope. any other thing in the tech stack. It I didn't even have a headset. I never even had a headset. Yeah. You
3: know? See, I think that, that was kind of the topic that, that, Travis and I talked a lot about was like, and it's happening so fast, right? Like the innovation within sales is happening rapidly, whether it's the roles, right? Like all of a sudden I'm seeing chief growth officer and you're like that, that job didn't exist 10 years right. ago. Right. What does that mean?
1: Um, I don't even I, know. No one
3: knows what it means. Right. Like, <laughs> is, that you know, marketing? The, is that sales? Is that both? I don't know. Kind of both. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. like the roles, the enablement, the ops, like you know, the, the data, the tech, like it, it's happening fast. Well, even, so look,
1: even the, uh, even the role, the CRO role is new chief revenue officer. That's only a couple of years old. Yep. And
3: everyone has their own definitions for it. Like a head of sales, like a VP of sales, like it means yeah. something different in every single company you go to. Right. Cool. What So, what's the other evolution question you want to ask?
0: So I, I like. I don't know if it's like uh, you could bring us from like back to the future to like uh, 2050 or just like what your thoughts have been on the evolution. Like what, I I don't know. I just want you all to talk about the evolution of sales. Yeah, No, you know
3: what I, you know what I think the question is, is there's going to be a lot of things that come out that are going to be just like a fad and fluff. Right. Um, There's going to be other things that are coming out. that are going to, become a staple and and it's going to be like the pinnacle of how you you know how you do things what's maybe one thing you think is a fad and just complete bullshit and what's another thing you think maybe is you know is going to be here in another seven to ten years
1: Whew. I, I think dropping
0: fire that was a good question. good question
1: i i, I can <laughs> just made you, it up i can tell you what, what is gonna is gonna be here and, and it's going to um get better slash get worse, in my opinion, is artificial intelligence. And I'm not talking about like sales enablement artificial intelligence, I'm talking sci-fi shit. So you ask me questions about 2050 and beyond and things like that, like I very strongly believe that artificial intelligence will catch up and a lot of jobs will just disappear because you'll be able to have a conversation with some type of ai that can communicate and can think and can recognize emotion and can respond appropriately and most people think i'm you know either stoned or totally out of my mind but I, look i don't i don't see why i don't see why not i think I, i'm not saying that that's not that that's going to happen in 2 to 5 years i'm talking 2050 2100 like you're trying to tell me that that that's not going to happen i don't know man I think that that's going to happen for sure, right? And so people keep saying stuff like salespeople will always be around because you can't replicate, you know, human emotion and, and uh, improvisation and things like that. I'm like, we just haven't figured out how to code that shit yet. Yep, We probably are going to figure out how to code it. So you, you go way into, into the future, like what's here to stay? AI is here to stay. And, and it, it could do a lot of good and it could do a lot of fucking damage. Scott, there's your next book. <laughs> Jesus Christ
3: it's a I book or it's the, the next Scott Lee's like sales robot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, robot. So, I feel
1: so busy all of a sudden. <laughs> uh,
2: so I think that, that the future of, of things will be, we're going to see things weed out. Like the, what happens during a recession is that mediocre gets cut. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend, John Barrow said that the other, you know, he's been saying that a while is the average salesperson is going to get cut. But there'll be another cycle and people will come back up. I think the, the enablement side will be interesting. I think video is a really interesting approach because you know, Zoom has now become a verb, right? Yeah. Like this, this entire thing is made, you know, you, hey, I'm going to get an Uber. Hey, I'm going to get, you know, um, I need to take some Tylenol. Or you know, I grew up in the South, everything was a Coke. You didn't get a Coke, you just said, I'm going to go have a Coke. Um, but what's also interesting is what happens to somebody like Vidyard, right? I just did a, a, a session with them and talking about how to use video at different parts of the sales cycle. And I, I think, I mean, it was brilliant. It was really good because I hadn't thought about it that way. So often what ends up happening, at least in, in the tech sector of sales, we see stuff that's designed to bring in leads because that's mm-hmm. what everybody wants first, right? Right. Um, so that'll be an interesting play to see how video plays out in all of this, right? Does all of a sudden Zoom become the people who can beam you somewhere, like in Star Trek, right? Like, why not? Like, like they, they went from what ten million users to two hundred in ninety days, yep. and yeah, there's been some hiccups, but come on, yep. you know, we could, we couldn't even, you know, you know, we couldn't even open the 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 National Health Exchange without it crashing in, in the first three hours, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's how good these guys are, so. So I think that, that evolution will be interesting to you because you asked about a specific. I think that um, it will be interesting to see what happens with email in the future. Like, how does that evolve? Like We've been hearing for a while like, oh, gonna kill email, gonna kill email, right? Um, and I just don't know. Like, the platform's pretty much the same, right? It, it works the way it's supposed to work. Um, so the question will become how will AI, as Scott's point, Become into that. Like, how will that piece come in? And we're starting to see that, right? Like, I think the sales loss and the outreaches mm-hmm. and matches of the world are, are, you know, all this data that they've been doing. But you know, they now have a chorus, the same thing, gong, the same thing. That's where that AI side in sales is going to come, you know, come together. At some point, they're going to all. It's going to become one enablement platform, right? Yep. On the sales side, the rest of the world, I have no idea, right? Um, when put you can. This- Buy a car on the internet, which is unheard of even five years ago. Who would ever buy a car without going to? Tampa?
1: Hey, you can take take this tape right here. Go bury it under a tree somewhere. <laughs> dig it up in fifty years, and we'll see who see what we got right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: love I it. Mean, I, you know, I love yeah, that too. I...
2: They'll still be around, Scott.
1: will <laughs> be well. Kevin might not. Travis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jump, guys! I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but um,
0: yeah, I was gonna say I think this is. I, I didn't even realize what time it was, but this has been,
2: and I loved it. This was great. I'm yeah. glad to do it again, as long as you ask us first.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, episode I mean, I one of season two. Yeah, episode one of season two. We got to be honest. We'll,
3: we'll be the first repeat guest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that that'll be a good one. Um, You're
3: the yeah, first duo. You're the first tandem. There yeah. we go. You are, oh, we go. So
0: here's Take two firsts. You are the first tandem and you are the first non African American. That's true. The first three, and I already said this to Kevin. I was like, no, yo, I didn't mean to do this to you. I, we have three <laughs> brothers on back to back to back to back. But, and I was but, like, holy but, shit. Good.
2: I think you should double down on that. And I think that you could probably get KD and Morgan to do something and help Kevin write some very provocative questions, but that aren't rude or inappropriate. Yeah conversation you could probably get keenan to do it you could probably get there's you know we all you know i'm sure katie and morgan know two other people each maybe get a, 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 a african-american woman as well like you no know, that'd be like, amazing I, Yeah, i think yeah. you guys should double down on that because it's a topic that doesn't get addressed
0: yeah i i think that's a good idea um well yeah
1: Cap, let's. Get, uh, you, got, you got homework now dude I know yeah.
2: I'm gonna be talking about in the happy hour. You know
0: that it's
1: about, it's about time we made some work for him and not just me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Facts. No, well, I appreciate y'all. Um, Richard, get off to your next thing, Scott as well. And, um, I'll have uh, in terms of, like podcast stuff. Uh, the only thing I'm waiting on from you guys is just some of those uh, files. Um, but everything else is already queued up and good to go. So All the folder. Oh, they're already there okay so i'll go i'll go with those and then we'll be good to go and then you know
1: you know, i ain't got the files because i don't know what to do with them. yeah i know i'm asking <laughs> for them you're like richard
0: question <laughs> mark <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right guys this. This all right
2: guys, fun, guys. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would gladly do this again this was a lot of fun uh really appreciate it yeah no doubt. thank we'll you know, we'll really appreciate your time, time guys
1: cheers Later. all right stay safe thank you.